Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. I've been running for a few years now and have the privilege of meeting many incredible runners on my travels all across the country. This podcast is intended to share those amazing conversations. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This week's guest is Kat Bradley. Kat is a professional runner for Solomon living in Colorado. We sat down in Boulder to talk all things trail running. Kat got started just a few years ago and won the 2017 edition of Western States, a race she had one lottery ticket for and almost didn't even run. We talked about her love for 100 milers, what she's scared of, how she practices gratitude and appreciation on the run, and what keeps her going through the tough times. This was a really fun conversation. You can almost see Kat smiling while listening to this episode. Her joy and passion for the sport is contagious, as you'll hear. I hope you enjoy this one as much as I did. Welcome back. I am here in Boulder, Colorado with Kat Bradley. Kat, thanks so much for, for joining today. Yeah, of course. I'm, I'm happy to. Awesome. Um, so do you want to give a little background on who you are? Sure. Um, so I, uh, you know, I got into running when I was a a kid, I uh, got in trouble at school and they told me I had to choose a sport or, you know, spend a lot of time in detention. <laughs> <laughs> so I got cut from the JV volleyball team and uh, ended up joining cross country. And it was um, a quick, you know, quickly fell in love with it, performed well and um, ran for UC Santa Barbara and then uh, got super burnt out super quick. So I quit, quit the team almost immediately. And um, then uh, just like looking for something to do, I got fully immersed in the outdoor industry and um you know I was a backpack guide a ski guide and a um raft and canoe guide and um you know and then naturally you know two worlds combined and I started running trails and uh yeah it's I've been really passionate ever since cool um where were you living when you started getting into trail running um kind of everywhere so after I took a break from school completely and um you know, moved to the East Coast for a little while where some of my family was. And I hiked the Appalachian Trail in 2011. And then um, after that, like I started getting these like crazy run projects that I saw. There was this 88 mile north to south run in Rhode Island. And I read a blog about it and I'd never run more than 10 miles. And I looked at it and I was like, sounds, sounds cool. fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so like the next week I did it and, um, or I tried, I made it you know, halfway, I'm in at 44. Which and is then, most of Rhode Island. Yeah, which is most of Rhode Island. And um, it, uh, yeah, and then I didn't really trail run after that. I finished school. I like did a little bit of running here and there, but not too much. And then I, um, uh, when I moved to uh, Winter Park, Colorado um, in 2013, that's when I really started you know, picking it up and, you know, still, I wasn't training for anything. I was still backpack guide, but I was signing up for races. So I'd like do these races without running a step, like in the six months prior. And, and you were like 22, 20. Yeah. 21 when I really started signing up for races. Yeah. And so you run now a couple hundred milers or a handful of hundred milers. Yeah. Yeah. What was the progression like from that you know, those 10 mile runs to the 44 to the 50. Dude. So I just went straight up. My first race was like, I signed up for my first 50 K and first hundred miler in the first sitting. Um, and because I just wasn't training or wasn't running at all, I like signed up and just no running for six months. I, I, you know, I, afterwards I, before, oh. before. And so it was just crazy. You weren't overtrained. <laughs> yeah. I definitely wasn't overtrained. Um, and I was really strong from guiding, um, but my legs just weren't that strong because I was mostly raft and canoe guiding at that point. Um, and, uh, 
yeah, it was just so, it was like so surreal. I don't, I don't even know what I was thinking. I just kind (laughs) of like was like, "Ah, you know, whatever. And I, for whatever reason, like I'm super competitive. So I like went out really hard. I probably, my first hundred was Bryce 100. I probably went out like seven thirties on trails, you know, (laughs) racing with the 50 milers. And then it actually took me 36 hours. I was DFL (laughs) and eventually, um, uh, but it's just like, like that progression is just so crazy. And I, again, like I would just sign up for these races and not think about them till like race day and be like, Oh no, <laughs> I haven't run a step. <laughs> so how did you go from dead fucking last to winning Western States? Um, what, what like talk me through that, that kind of progression. Yeah, I really, so what happened was I, so I was in winter park and I was raft guiding and ski guiding. And then, um, I, uh, in 2015, I, uh, moved down to Boulder to teach. And, um, you know, when you're up there, you're not, you know, you don't have the distraction, the the way to get outside in Boulder is to run, you know, I couldn't like go out and ski out my door anymore. Um, and I couldn't go out and like go on these crazy raft adventures. So like to get outside and to get my outdoor fix, I'd trail run. And then as soon as I started actually like running more than, once a month I am um, I, I during taper fit. week yeah exactly but seriously um, I am um, oh, crap I've got a race coming up I, I should probably break in these shoes I know or I I've bought shoes like the day before the race several times um because I didn't have running shoes yeah. like because I just wasn't using them but anyway I uh yeah I just um when I started training more I started quickly you know getting better I had like some success at I had a lot of success at the smaller races. And then, um, I, uh, you know, I, I was still teaching and I still, you know, wasn't taking running seriously until, um, my first DNF at run rabbit run. Um, I was pulled from the course and like David Roach and I had chatted before that we were, we knew who each other were. Um, I raced the 50 K national championships and like, didn't know, you know, way overestimated what I could do there. I mean, were you fueling? Did you know anything? No, no, I knew nothing. Absolutely nothing. (laughs) Let me tell you, like, uh, I'm just now really learning at Western States. I didn't have any calories for the last like 25 miles, but anyway, um, I, uh, um, sorry, I lost my train. Oh yeah. And then after I DNF run rabbit run, I was like wallowing in my hotel room and David Roach and I were like chatting on, um, Facebook messenger. And he was like, how do you feel about me coaching you? Like, would you, are you looking for a coach? Like I'd and love this was to, 2015? this was actually 2016. So okay. a year after I'd moved and, um, cause we'd met at the 50 K national championship and we'd been like in contact yep. since then. And, um, yeah, just like after DNFing run rabbit run, I really, um, I, I needed that. And then after that, it was like, I working with David, I took running way more seriously. He really helped me balance teaching and running and just having, you know, I started running way more miles, you know, before even I was like doing green like mountain, every five day. miles even. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I was in Boulder, five I was probably doing, yeah, five runs a month. When I was in Boulder in like 2015, before I worked with David, I was probably doing like 30 mile weeks. So yeah. give me a little credit. Yeah. <laughs> but then I started like quickly jumping from like 30 mile weeks to like 70 mile weeks. And that's when I really like all of a sudden I, I felt close to my old self in yeah. college, you know, not quite that leg speed, but I had my engine back and I, um, yeah. And, you know, not even a year or maybe a year later after working with David, not even actually, um, I won Western and it just, you know, took a, some, some guidance. <laughs> so what was the, what was the build up to that? What was it like, you know, getting entry, even getting entry into that race? Yeah. So I got entry to that through one lottery ticket and, um, you know, I actually had planned a trip to France, um, that was going to be over that week, Western States week, the day before. And I would just, or like the few days before I was signing up for Mont Blanc 80K. And, um, and then the next day I got into Western States and I couldn't believe it. I really considered not doing it because, uh, you know, it just wasn't on my radar. Um, and had you run a hundred at that point? Yeah, I'd run a few. So Bryce 100, Pine de Palm 100, um, Rio del Lago 100, um, let's see. And the bear 100. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, uh, um, so that was my fifth hundred. And so, yeah, I, um, 
yeah, I got in and, uh, David sent me a text like, yes, our five-year plan is now like a six-month <laughs> plan. And my training for that, I have not been able to put together a buildup for that since, um, or like quite the buildup. I just had everything in training went perfectly. Um, I had like a little setback in April where I had a Morton's neuroma that I thought was a stress fracture, but I was only out for a week and mm -hmm. everything else just went perfectly. And I was, I, I haven't been that fit since. What do you attribute that to? I don't know. I, since I've had, kind, I, I've had some setbacks, just, I, um, we were chatting before I got in a car accident in 2015. And just, uh, since then I've had a lot of problems. My, and my mileage was pretty low training for Western because I was teaching. And I think just with the up mileage and my back issues, it's really made a difference uh, or it's been hard, or maybe it's just catching up to me, you know, mm -hmm. um, the back stuff, but I, uh, yeah, I, um, it was just a perfect buildup and I just had a great support system. And, you know, I thought about Western States every day, you know, from when I got into when I won it. Um, yeah. And I, I just haven't had that since everything just clicked. Cool. Um, how do you deal with the physical pain of, you know, I can't imagine you feel good during, you know, a hundred mile race. <laughs> how do you manage, how do you manage that pain? You know, let's start with physically and then, and then talk mentally. Yeah. So physically, I mean, I don't think you can talk the physical part without the mental part yeah. because all of overcoming the physical part is just mentally, you know, acknowledging that it's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think both of that, uh, both, you know, the, both like the physical and mental definitely go hand in hand. And I think the biggest thing for overcoming that is just like acknowledging that, you know, it's, it's gonna okay. Suck. It's yeah. gonna, yeah, it's gonna be really hard and there's nothing you can do about it no matter what. <laughs> um, and if it doesn't hurt, you're not going fast enough. <laughs> yeah. If it doesn't hurt, then hundreds hurt no matter <laughs> how fast or slow you're going. And I've been at the front of the pack and I've been at the back of the pack. So no matter how fast or slow you're going, it hurts. But, um, it's just like a matter of being at peace with that. Yeah. Cool. Um, how do you practice gratitude? That was a question that came from another swapper. How do you practice gratitude and, and compassion when things are not going as, as you would like? You know, something that I learned actually in that 2017, um, year was when you make a huge effort, like over the top, like people may think you're not genuine, but just an over the top effort to be, you know, to say thank you to the aid station workers, to the crew, to like really talk to and respect not only your competitors, but everyone else in the field. Like it really, like, even if you're faking it, fake it till you make it. Um, it really, you know, you start to feel that you start to feel your heart starts to open to like the sport and how amazing it is that everyone's out there and how amazing it is like that your crew is out there for you, that you have people that are going to be out there all night for you. Like, that's a big deal. Not yeah. everyone has people in your life willing to make, you know, not sleep for 24 yeah, hours. Exactly. Cause that's uncomfortable for them. I've been on both sides of that and man, I swear crew and harder. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and it just like really being over the top about that fake it seriously fake it till you make it nice what are you thinking about on the starting line um i'm trying not to think i'm really i have always struggled with start lines i mm -hmm. always wish i could skip that part and i try to convince myself that i love them but like they're you know it's a a lot it's a lot you know the buzz in the air is can be special but it also can be super intimidating if um you let it and it can it can be hard so i just you know i think to myself that or i try not to think at all but if i am thinking i'm like you won't be feeling this in 10 minutes or 30 minutes usually you still feel it in 10 <laughs> nice so you mentioned that um nutrition was something that that you didn't have a, mm -hmm. a firm grasp on, you know, for, for Western States, are you at a place now where, where you're fueling during yeah. the race and during the last 25 miles? What, what does that look like in a hundred mile race? Um, so I think before I was just trying to force it 
too much. You know, I was, I just didn't know what worked for me. And I'd go on these crazy training runs without eating anything because I thought I didn't need to. Like I'd go on like a six hour training run and have like 200 calories, like a psycho. And how did you feel afterwards? Oh, wrecked, (laughs) wrecked, 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 wrecked. And then I started, um, in training, actually training for UTMB because it's much longer days. Um, I was able to, uh, bring more solid food. So backtrack for a second. I was diagnosed with celiac disease in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um when I was 24 and like that, you know, really changed the way I ate and like I it took me a while to recover from that. And after it like I couldn't keep anything down while I was running. But training like gels and stuff. But training for UTMB, I finally was able to like, you know, the days training for that. I did so I didn't train that much for UTMB. Cause I ran it on short notice. I got in three weeks before the race. So David and I had like one big week and it was just like one big week with really, really long runs. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, during that I was eating like whole foods. I was eating like sandwiches and I was eating like mostly sandwiches, actually yeah. like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches on gluten-free bread. On delicious gluten-free bread. I'm sure. Exactly. Well, <laughs> European gluten-free baguettes are amazing oh, okay. and soft and not dry at all. Fun fact. If you're looking for good gluten-free food, go to Europe. I don't know why we can't figure it out. (laughs) Um, But anyway, I was doing like real food. And then I noticed not only did I feel better on the run, but I'd feel so much better the rest of the day. And the next day I wasn't as sore. And I thought it was all about recovery. I've always been good about food after the run. But like, it's crazy how fueling yourself during because you're not, I guess you're just not depleting yourself as right. much. You don't go into that hole. The so depth, I was yeah. going to a huge hole every training run and that was killing me. Um, and I didn't notice it was killing me until I saw what it could be. I just saw how good you could feel. So now I'm just doing like more real foods. I've been doing a lot of like dried apricots on runs. Um, I run for science and sport and I love their bars. I do like like I pretty much only eat their bars on training runs, you know, they just work really well and it's whole foods. And so I feel much better after. Cool. What's your favorite distance? That is so, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Um, I really want to try another 50 miler cause I really haven't run one. Um, and, but I love the hundred K hundred mile distance. Like hundred K is fun because you can rip still, you, you know, it's slow enough that you're not redlining ever um but you're you're going pretty at a pretty moderate effort the whole time and you can still run fast and hard but um the 100 mile distance is fun too it's just like so much can happen in 100 miles um and like when you're at mile 80 and you think about the start it feels like a universe ago (laughs) you know it feels like so long ago and that you know you can only i can only mentally handle that a couple years but man it's it's special for sure yeah so i was in squaw last year for western Mm -hmm. states and my favorite question to ask people was like why why are you doing this and and the answer that i liked the most was um well, first of all, 5Ks suck. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd much rather be doing this. And and that same person followed it up by saying, but I love being outside. And mm-hmm. what other way can you spend literally a full day? Yeah. And then some just playing in the mountains. Yeah, exactly. Um, what is it about the trails that, that, that you love so much? Um, there are so many things about the trails that I love. I think first and foremost... I am at my happiest, again, when I'm outside, but also, you know, outside and isolated. Like, And that doesn't mean being alone necessarily, but that means being separated from the rest of the world and from life, Mm -hmm. you know, from the hustle and bustle. Like you, like when you're on the trails or when you're in a hundred mile race, like literally nothing else matters except for being out on the trails. And that's kind of different from road running. Um, you know, so much matters in road running and so much is wrapped around splits or it's so easy when you're around like the traffic and like other people. Um, and you know, the hustle and bustle, it's so easy to not separate yourself from what's going on. It's so easy to go for a road run and like go over like your work day, you know, relationship problems, whatever. But when you're in the mountains and you're running, nothing else matters. And like, 
my soul is happiest when I'm on a trail. Like, I don't know why, because that's definitely not everyone. And I only know that because no one else in my family has that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I, I just like, I feel the most at peace when I'm out there. And then again, it like trail running feels like playing, you know, I love just the, when you're running, ripping downhill, you know, it's fun. It's like playing a sophisticated game, you know, and that's, and I, you know, I love games and it just, it feels like dancing. And that is cool too. Even if you're like not a super aesthetically beautiful place and it's a fun downhill, you know, that still is, uh, it's, they have non aesthetically pleasing places in the state. I mean, no, I I wasn't saying in the state, but Uh, I've done a lot of road trips. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Um, where are some of your favorite places to run? Um, well, I always answer this question with a new place, like somewhere I've never been. I love like something that my coach, David, who's your coach too. So you know how he is about like wagging your finger when he, (laughs) when he doesn't like something you're doing, which he doesn't do very often, but when you know, when you, when he does it, you know, you should listen. I know. But when I, so my like favorite thing in the world is like big adventure runs where I like have never been somewhere before. Like I, you know, it might go terribly wrong, you know, but I'm out there for a long time and it's just crazy. And those are, I love those runs. And, um, I can only talk David into letting me do so many, (laughs) but, um, that is whenever I have that plan, no matter where it is, if it's new trails, that's my favorite place to run. But I'm also a creature habit and I have like this 10 mile loop from my home in Netherlands that's on these rolling, amazing trails. And, um, so total contrast to like the crazy adventure side of me, but that's, you know, two sides of the coin and I love them both. Cool. Is that 10 mile loop the one you're talking about for tomorrow? That's the one I'm talking nice. about. Yeah. All right. I might have to do that up at, up at 9,000 feet. I've, I've, gotten used to 6,000 or 5,000. So why not go higher? Right. Well, the, the fun thing is, is it's not, um, you, it's like, you'll get, we'll get like 1700 feet in this, uh, 10 mile loop, but it's all super rolling. So you're never climbing or descending for too long. Cool. How do you deal with the altitude? Lots of food I've found. (laughs) Um, that's really, you know, um, I'm lucky and I adjust to altitude pretty quickly, but I think I really honestly attest that to the amount that I eat. And I know, I don't, you know, God, I don't count calories or anything, but, um, I know my Cheerio uptake, uh, really went up when I lived up there and not, you know, you just get hungry all yeah. the time up there. And you really, if you listen to that, it, you know, I feel like that's helped me, um, not, you know, because it's harder to recover at altitude. And I feel like the up, uptake in calories and food and quality food and not quality foods too have, has really, um, yeah, David's fun food approach is, yeah, uh, is great. I'm, uh, um, a huge believer in that. I have a huge sweet tooth and there's a little cafe. Well, oh my gosh. After we run tomorrow, we have to go get carrot cake. We're going to take my dog. We're going to walk my dog into town and get some carrot cake at my favorite place. They like, they, I get carrot cake like five days a week from there. Nice. Yeah. I had someone on the podcast, Andy Cazzarelli, and she said after every run, it's, a great run if I have a muffin. Yeah. And she has celiac too. I think there's something about, uh, I think, pastries and, and all that good stuff. We always want what we can't have. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, the the altitude thing is interesting. Um, they say that eat more, drink more, sleep more. Mm-hmm. But I think that's just good advice for athletes in general. Yeah, I totally do think. I think you're right. Um, and I definitely do eat more. I could be better about the sleeping and drinking more. Um uh, but I try my best. I don't know. You've had like four glasses of water since we've sat down. Since. I know that's because I didn't have any water till I got in the car and drove down to down from Netherland and, uh, just coffee. Nice. <laughs> you- so, um, we're here in Boulder. You lived here for a few years. Um, I just had another, uh, pro on the podcast who also lives in Boulder. And we were talking about the, um, like the environment in Boulder. I was warming up this morning and like, six elite athletes strolled by at, you know, different times. What's it like being in a community like this where everyone is excellent at what they do? Yeah. So there's this funny saying that, um, kind of my friend group jokes about it's called Boulder average where you're Boulder (laughs) average. If you get, you know, 35 minute 10 K or something. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) 35 minute 10 K. Or if you have like a shoe sponsor or, um, like that's Boulder (laughs) average. Um, 
Yeah, but, your, your status quo if, you, if you've got a, a sponsor. Exactly. Nice. and Or like winning races, yeah. your status quo. Or, you know, winning major races. Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, Boulder average. Yeah, and uh, I just think it's so funny and so true. But you really have to recognize that. And um, I fall victim to comparison. I'm getting better now in my adult life. But, like, that's the reason I quit the team yeah. in college. And um, it gets tough sometimes, especially like right now I'm going through a little bit of rough of a rough patch in my running and, um, it's easy to fall victim to that and especially easy in Boulder, but you, you know, you can kind of shift that, um, and look at it instead as people you admire and like, think about all, instead of compare, you know, looking at it as like a man, I suck. Look at it. It's like, man, like I'm surrounded by so many incredible people who gets to, and I do think about this and I'm not just like blowing smoke up your ass. Like how many people on this planet get to be around so many high level athletes on a daily basis. That is wild, you know? Um, so yeah, it's just, it's, it's cool. So how do you, so you mentioned that, that the running isn't where you'd like it to be at the moment. How do you, how do you manage that as as someone that's been super successful and and we're sitting next to a sign that says you are enough um, here <laughs> in the in the unicorn farm of uh, of David and Megan Roche? Um, so results aside, you still want to improve. Um, yeah. How do you how do you how do you manage that? So I found in the last so that my rough patch has been going on for like a year now, a um, little bit more, and. Um, at first I struggled first, you know, I thought to myself, am I enough? Like, am I enough? Do I really want to be in this sport where I just keep falling short? Um, do I want to be in this sport where I'm just for so much of it, I'm just running in pain all of the time. Is that worth it? And then, um, then you have good days, you know, and you got to really focus on those good days and you got to really like look yourself in the mirror and think like, do you, do you love running? Do you? And, you know, I found through all of these setbacks, the one thing that I've learned is I do love running just for the running sake of it. And a year ago, I don't know if I could have looked you in the eye and told you that, um, that I'd really truly love trail running. And that's a super valuable lesson. I think that'll take me through my running career, um, hopefully for the next decade, you know? Um, but it's, you just have to keep moving forward and, you know, just be brutally honest with yourself sometimes. Cool. Um, my 2016 and 2017 were like pretty brutal and Mm -hmm. my 2018 was a little better. And I started with David in July of last year Mm -hmm. and like the last three to five months have just been like, it's just like the, the difference between the, the shitty times and the amazing times is just made better by the the fact that it wasn't good for so long. Mm-hmm. And I think that like the days that are so awesome are worth the the days that aren't because there's so much high, like the highs are so much higher mm-hmm. when you have those lows. I think if it was if you know if you won Western States and you won the next race and you won the next race and you won the next mm-hmm. race, like that gets boring, right? Um it yeah, might absolutely. be nice for a little bit, but, um, there, you know, David says all the time, and this is like an, an ad for, for swap at this point, but it's like, it's so great. Like we're just getting started. We're just getting started. Mm-hmm. Like you're what? 25 years old, 27, just, 27, just getting started. Yeah. Um, and I think that's like a really exciting part of it that we're in this place that's incredible and we can just go use our body Mm -hmm. and do these amazing things yeah and do things that we love and get outside and it's a huge piece of like if you don't attach um performance to the activity you know like of course you attach performance to the race but if you don't attach performance to like the day-to-day activity like the day-to-day joy of getting outside then it really opens that up for you like it really makes trail running more than just training and i think that's been the lesson for me in the last year definitely the the detachment from the the numbers i think can be Mm -hmm. huge like today i ran like 840 pace for 13 miles and like in boston i i i would be like pretty disappointed in that Mm -hmm. kind of a run but here it's like it's trail running it doesn't matter pace Mm -hmm. doesn't matter um and you still have to remind yourself that like it's 
it's gorgeous. You're out in nature and this type of thing. And yeah, it's all part of all part of the fun. Yeah, exactly. It's all part of the fun and all part of like, like the, the, the lessons you learn along the way, the people that you meet. Um, so yeah, I'm, I feel grateful for it for sure. Definitely. Um, what are you scared of? Ooh, that is such a good question. <laughs> um, Man, I have to stop and think. It's not that I'm not scared of anything. I'm really lucky that I grew up, my mom, she's a little crazy, like absolutely insane, but in the best way. Um, And she raised me, you know, I have made so many of my decisions in my life incredibly impulsively, like don't know if it's going to work out. Don't know, you know, what's going to happen, you know, but without, I don't even think about that. I just jump in like with the distinct possibility of failing. Um, I think that's exciting though. It's super exciting. And I'm like, my mom lived her life that way yeah. growing up and it, you know, made for sure for some really hard times for us as a family. But it also, you know, when I told her I wanted to quit school, she was like, and I had like a full ride and I told her I wanted to quit school. She was like, okay. you know, <laughs> And, or when I wanted to like jump and move to Colorado, she, and I went back to school like eventually, but when I wanted to jump and move like to Colorado, you know, I decided one day I was going to move and I literally packed up and moved the next day. She, you know, was like, okay. And I think growing up in that environment and having that, um, to never tell me I was crazy really helped me not be afraid of failure. Um, I don't know what I am afraid of. I think I'm afraid of, um, I don't know. Sometimes I'm, I'm not super great socially sometimes. And I think that's probably being like really uncomfortable in social situations. That's probably it for me. And I think that also stems from my mom because she's the craziest, most outlandish, you know, extrovert of the extroverts. You know, I can't sit at a bar with her because she'll spend the entire night talking to the bartender. And I think that comes from her just because like I, I didn't talk, but I, I am, I think just like the social anxiety I definitely have. So that's why you're front running out, out, out else. <laughs> yeah. get away from me. I need to get, go, go run two miles. Well, ahead. you know, I'm actually from that car accident. I'm deaf and almost completely deaf in my left ear. And it's made it just so funny for that social anxiety, because if I'm at a restaurant, it definitely makes it worse. But on the trails, I just like can't hear people talking to me Um, unless like it's one on one on a quiet trail. But in races, I just can't hear. So it's actually really been helpful um, because I don't even have to think about it. And if I don't worry, if I don't um, uh, try and, you know, talk to people and don't try and hear them and just accept that I can't hear. And like if they think I'm rude, that's fine. Cause I'm not and like, I'm, if they talk to me, I won't be, but, um, it's, I think it's really actually helped. <laughs> cool. Um, let's talk about the community, the trail okay. running community. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you love about it? That it exists. <laughs> I've never seen anything. I, I don't know of anything else like the trail running community. Yeah. Um, and it's just like such a powerful wave of people and love and compassion and support and crazy ideas. And, I'm sure there's something else that exists like that, but let me tell you before, I, yeah, before <laughs> I moved to Boulder, I didn't have a lot of friends. Yeah. I didn't have a single person beside outside of like my mom that I could reach out to and be like, Hey, I need help. Yeah. Um, but I'm in trail running like since I've started trail running in 2013, I know so many people that at a, like that, if I needed help, they would come jump in to to that and like that just like the support system that trail running has created for so many people is um really cool and then also to add on to that like trail running brings people of all different types together for this one common interest like I have friends who are like astrophysicists that I don't understand what they're saying. Anything that they're saying. And I am like honored that they want to hang out with me, yeah. you know, because I just, I'm just so blown away by their intelligence. And like, and I was a kindergarten teacher and like on no other way, you know, there's no other way these two people would right. possibly be friends, but because of trail running, we have this common interest. And like, I learned so much from him and I'm so grateful for that friendship. And like, there, that's just an example, but there's hundreds of other examples. Um, and, uh, it's, it's just a really cool way to bring people, different people together who would have never, you know, built a friendship otherwise. For sure. What's it like to be, um, 
you know, the, the relationship with sponsors, what's, what's, what's it like to be an athlete that has those types of obligations? Yeah. Um, so I'm really lucky in my sponsors, you know, I feel my sponsors genuinely care about me and that's number one. And that's the thing that I was afraid of when I signed a contract, you know, sign, you know, when I won Western and I was just thrown into signing contracts, it was super scary. I did not, you know, I was super intimidated by the process. And, um, did you have anyone helping you with it or David helped? Um, my boyfriend, Ryan works for Solomon. So he helped, um, uh, you know, just advice of other people, you know, again, Boulder average, I wasn't the first person (laughs) to sign a contract in my friend group. Now you were average. Yeah. Now I'm average. Exactly. (laughs) Thank you. I made it. I really feel like I made it. Um, I guess in Boulder when you're peaking, it's still average. (laughs) Um, but it, yeah. Um, I forget what I was so, saying. So w- are there pressures to race? Are there? No, it's not the pressures to race. Um, I don't feel that. I've found that like, if I personally want to do a race and like, and I'm dedicated to doing the best that I can do that external stuff like sponsors don't matter, but sometimes it's hard to balance events and photo shoots. And again, like I'm not always great in a social yeah. situation and I can be on for a little while. And then like, it takes me a little a while little to recover from, but also I feel so grateful for my sponsors that I just want to say yes, yes, yes to everything. So in the first year I literally said yes to everything. And I still am guilty for that. Like until this week I have been out of town once a week on a plane since February. Wow. Yeah. Um, which is super hard. Um, but, uh, just learning to say no and to prioritize and still do your part and still give back to the sponsors that give you so much without stringing yourself out. That's been the biggest learning lesson. I think that the learning to say no thing is something that like a lot of people should, should, um, catch or, or, or consider, um, I fly a lot and, you mm-hmm. know, they, they give you the safety demo of put your mask on first before yeah. helping those around you. I love that. I love the reminder that, that you get from that. And yes, it means literally put your, put your oxygen mask on first, mm-hmm. but you have to be healthy and fulfilled and mm-hmm. well rested and bed and things like that before you can contribute anything to, to the world around you. Yeah, exactly. And I, I love when I'm at these events, I do love them. I love talking to everyone. I love being there in the community. Um, and I love representing my sponsors. Like I truly do. Um, but it is, it is so taxing and you can't get, you know, and I'm a, otherwise I'm a homebody, you know, I love being home. Um, and so it's, uh, it is balance. And I, I, don't know if I would have learned to say no if it, cause I, when I was a teacher, it was the same thing. Like I was directing the after school program. Yeah. I was like th- taking on all this other extra stuff. I was getting my master's so I could, you know, m- one day, uh, taking it on an administrative role and, um, just yes, 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 yes. So I don't know if I would have ever learned to say no, if I didn't travel as much as I do, because that's hard. You know, <laughs> what are some tips you have for, for travel, um, and, and traveling, as an athlete, don't force the run. That's the biggest, That's huge. that do not, do not, do not force the run. You know, in the last six months, I've done more traveling than ever, but I've managed to, you know, I have just like had the most horrible history with getting sick. And I think part of that's like the celiac disease. And I'm finally bouncing back from that, um, from eating gluten my whole life and like my immune system being right. low. But part of it is like, I used to still try and force training when I'm running, when I'm traveling. And like, I'm a seriously every week since February, that's so many flights. And so like to force that many runs would just kill me. Um, and so I just like, if I can run and if I feel good enough to run, I will. But like, if I don't, if my legs are trashed, if I feel like I'm getting sick, if I, um, like I flew back from France, I got home on Monday and I like, David had me running two days ago and I, I haven't run yet just because I haven't felt up to it. And I'm at peace with that, you know, nice past me would not have been. Yeah. I think that's uh, a lot of people describe fitness as like building a house and you, you add brick 
and you add a brick mm-hmm. and you add a brick and then you add a brick. You can miss a brick here and there and it's not the end of the world. Or if you add a crumbling brick, you're adding a crumbling piece yes. to the foundation of the house. And yes. that's what a forced run is. It's like a crumbling brick and it's not going to support your house the same way a solid brick would be. And so if you, might as well wait. Yes. And if you keep putting these crumbling bricks into a foundation, then the house is going to fall down. The house is going to fall down. And then you won't be on those smooth, buttery trails. Yeah. <laughs> Um, how do you feel about balance? I know you've talked about it a little bit. Um, what is what is your definition of, of balance or what's balance for cat? Um, balance for cat is having something that fulfills me other than running too. So when I stopped teaching, um, I got laid off and, and then one Western. So it was like this crazy like heartbreak and then this crazy opportunity that yep. came from that. But then also you know, because I didn't have to get another job. I didn't. And I was just like, okay, what do I do now? And I was not happy. Um, and, uh, and it wasn't until, you know, I started doing some freelance writing and then David for like two years had really been trying to get me to coach. Like before I got laid off from teaching, he's like, you should really coach. Like, and I took on like one friend for free and it wasn't until, you know, I started taking on people for free and just by word of mouth, like it spread a little bit that I start, didn't start coaching. And it's been huge for me, for my own personal well being, And then also just like, it fills that teacher size hole in my heart. And also it like gives me something to learn. Like I spend my free time, like making myself the most knowledgeable coach I can be. Um, and, uh, that, I mean, so that's just an example of balance, having something else, having something giving back, you know, that makes you balanced. That makes you fulfilled. Um, and whether that's like volunteering or, um, you know, being active in your community, like that is giving back. Um, and I think that's key to being fulfilled. You can't just skirt along and just take care of yourself. Definitely. What's it like seeing another athlete that you're responsible, responsible for, I guess you could say, um, fulfilling their goals or, or getting closer to their goals? There's what's what's honestly like? nothing better. So my favorite story, I, I love all of my athletes and I love all of, um, my clients and I'm super stoked for them. Um, equally, you know, they, you know, all of them are racing right now. It's super cool to see and super fulfilling. But one guy, um, he reached out to me after DNFing Havelina, um, in October, uh, to October, 2018. And, um, he had been, he's been running ultras for 10 years and he's 60 and has never finished an ultra over 50 K, but he's tried dozens of ultras. He's just never been able to finish. He had some knee problems, but I think it was also just a matter of like, the, you know, not having consistent training. It was kind of like a story of me, like just signing up for these races and not running for six months. So he DNF Havelina and this is, he lives in the UK and this is like his second time DNFing Havelina traveling That's out a here. Bit of a trek. Bit of a trek. Yeah. He loves to travel. Yeah. Um, but so we've been working really hard all winter. Um, and you know, he hasn't had an easy winter. Um, running through snow. Again, he's 60 full-time job. He could have easily DNF'd Havelina and been like, ah, you know, that's my like 20th DNF. You know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not in like it's the next 10 be. years. It's not meant to me, but he reached out to me and we've been working really hard and he, um, finished a 88 mile, uh, run in Italy. It was called Abbott's way and it had 35,000 feet of gain. And he finished in 30 hours fighting knee pain, fighting nutrition pain, just tough as nails. And he was in the top 50% at 60. Like that is, I think the cutoff was 40 hours. That's crazy. And I, you know, was so filled with pride. Um, we talked on the phone for like an hour and he's a super analytical guy. So like he wrote me this huge analysis and then, and then, um, uh, And then we talked on the phone for a long time and it's just like, it's so special to be part of that, you know? And he, he, it's all him. Like he put in the work every day. He did. He can, he's really good at communicating, which is like huge for me. I talk to every single one of my athletes every day and like, it's, uh, just seeing like, talk about going through hard stuff with ultras. Like he has been fallen short of his goals in ultra running for 10 years and watching him finish Abbott's way and exceed That's all so expectations cool. and goals was super special. So is that what keeps you going? The, the pursuit of getting better and, and 
achieving goals, whether it's yours or, or somebody else's? You know, there's a lot of things that keep me going, but I've always been extremely goal driven. Um, uh, and that, that's certainly, you know, I've honestly had to stop being as goal driven yeah. because it, you know, cause then I can't appreciate what, where I am. Um, but yes, in, in short. So what's the focus for the rest of 2019? So I am racing UTMB. Um, and that is my, I, you know, again, last year I signed up three weeks notice. Um, um, after not, after dropping out of Western States, I, you know, kind of got my life together. And, um, then I, uh, you know, signed up for UTMB, bought a ticket last minute, went over there, ran on the course for a week and then tapered. And, uh, you know, I still, I, I had an okay day on paper. I got eighth. Um, but it was, that was a tough day for, it was not a good day for yeah. me. I was puking for the last 12 miles. It was just like, but the weather just in the general, weather, was my horrible. bottles were freezing up top, but honestly, it wasn't the weather that bothered me so much. I just like, didn't have a good day. I yeah. was not well-trained. I, um, I didn't know what I was getting into. It was just, it was the hardest day I've ever had. I, I can't think I've, and I'm so unbelievably scared to go back. Seriously. I'm like, <laughs> does that excite you though? It excites me. Yeah. It for sure. It, it like, it's the unknown. I'm so, I'm like an idiot for going back after I went through last year, but I just, I, I came home and I, that just getting my ass kicked like that really inspired me, you know? Yeah. Um, and kind of, I, and especially, I don't know why I've just been getting my ass kicked race after race after race in the last year. Um, but UTMB was something different and I am so proud of racing to the finish. Like, so when I tore my esophagus in the race and was, um, so I spent like, you know, 10 hours in the hospital after, because I was puking this, I, I it would look like coffee grounds, but it was blood. And I didn't know that it was, I was puking in the race and I was like, why is my puke black? <laughs> and, uh, and it turns out I'd ripped my esophagus and I, uh, yeah. And I spent some time in the hospital after, and, um, I'm just like, I can't. So in the last five miles I'd been in, um, eighth front. So I was in fifth until La Folie, Switzerland. And then I fell into eighth and I, that's when I started puking. And, um, I, uh, and La Folie is like hundred K. So I was bad last 40 miles. And, um, I UTMB got, UTMB is, is 105, right? 102? 107. Okay. That last two miles make a huge difference in the last, you're mile 95 and you still have 12 miles <laughs> yeah. to go, but get this with 6,000 feet in the last 12 in the last miles 12, and you're not mile 95, I don't run that in a week. <laughs> the mile 95 and you think the race on paper should be almost over, but you still have just like getting this started. huge, huge climb. And, and the but, look in your face right now, you're like, this is, this is it. Like I, I live for this. Yeah, it is. It is. Cat is smiling from <laughs> ear to ear right now. And Addie has perked up and wants pets. Oh. <laughs> Hi, Addie. Um, yeah, it's like the craziest, hardest thing ever. I just remember. But anyway, so I get to the top of that climb and I'm somehow has held on to eighth place. I don't know how, because I was crawling, crawling, crawling up that climb going like my watch. It shows splits. I was going like 50 minute miles up that <laughs> climb, but everyone was suffering, I guess. And, um, I get to the lot, but they were catching me. I right. kind of built a gap, but they'd caught me. So in the last, I get to the top in the last five miles, um, you know, eighth or ninth through like 13th is minutes behind me. And I, I had this big gap all day and all of a sudden there were minutes behind me. I start descending. I puke <laughs> again. And oh, as I puke, I'm puking, someone passes me. And I'm, and I think you I'm, hit their I, feet, right? What? You hit their feet with the projectile. <laughs> I should have, I didn't have quite as good aim, but I, I saw them and she passed me and I was like, crap, I've held on to this, like for, through puking for so long. And now yeah. I'm going to get off uh, top 10. But I was like, quickly, I turn it around. I'm like, I'm not going to get down on myself. And I raced, I raced hard. And I, that last descent was my fastest descent of the day. Um, and it's five miles technical steep and I just bombed it. And I'm super proud of myself for holding, you know, after being so defeated for, and I've never raced that far, like, like that in the last hundred, like the last, the 
8th through 13th, we were minutes behind each other. And I've never had that in 100. Like when I went Western, Magda was, you know, four minutes behind me at the river. But at the end, she was 20 minutes behind me. So like, I've, I've never had to like sprint finish, but I, it was a, like, I was looking back behind <laughs> me in town. I was like, God. and I could see the headlamps of the other girls. And it was, that's wild. I can't even imagine what that's like, but I feel like something like that you carry with you for the next time it happens or the next time, like, you know, you have that next gear. Right? I'm so grateful that for that experience. And honestly, it was it like that last five miles as much. I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to get caught. It was my favorite part of the race yeah. because like, and it really affirmed that like, I do love racing and you, know? and you find out what you're made of in, in those yeah. moments. Oh I had that God. experience. I raced a marathon a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and I was chasing uh, a time goal sub three and um, mile 23 comes around and it's like, like, it's not over yet was yeah. what was going through my head. Like I'm making a choice right now, gas pedal down. This is going to suck. And it's so cool when you can access that like next level when, when yeah. you find out what you're made of. And you know, it's so funny that you say that because like in, um, and it was a huge breakthrough for me because right. I didn't know I had that in yeah. me because in my problem in high school, I was and it grew up in a small state. I won everything, you know, and I, no one fought me. And then, but like the few times that someone would challenge me, I would give up, you know, I'd give up when, and I've, I've actually never said this publicly. Like it's taken me a a long time to recognize it or not. I always knew it deep down, but it took me a long, you know, to accept it and acknowledge it. But I, as a kid, um, I would give up and, uh, when I was faced, you know, I, if it wasn't an easy win, I'd give up. And that's not because I wasn't tough. It's just because I got, I was so used to winning that mentally it would just kill me. Yeah. Um, so knowing that when I get past now in my adult life, I have it in me mentally to race, to yep. be like, no, it's not over yet. That's that powerful. Is, it's powerful. Yeah. Cause, so I don't know if I finished, but I ended up passing her back in like the last like two kilometers. Nice. Um, just like reckless downhill running (laughs) and uh, we won't be doing that tomorrow right (laughs) no god no (laughs) um cat where can people find you on social media so i'm cat b rad everywhere so um on facebook it's cat bradley instagram it's c-a-t-b-e-r-a-d my website is same thing cat b rad c-a-t b-e-r-a-d.com um and then strava i'm just cat bradley cool Kat, thanks so much for joining today, and uh, we'll see you out there. Of course. That was a blast. Thank you. Of course. That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next week on For the Long Run, and in the meantime, happy trails. If you've enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too.